0: Hi, everybody. I've come to sow a seed that I have received, as that song just said. I didn't realize that was the last line in that song. The song's about deserts, the song in the desert. And I want to I tell you a story about a desert experience I had, <clears throat> a time not long ago when the heat was turned up in my life, and things that I had planted were just withering And so much that I had worked so hard for seemed like it was just going to come to nothing all at once. My story begins, actually, it was uh, September the 9th, 2002, and on September the 9th, 2002, about 7 o'clock in the morning, about 10 guys showed up at my house and started tearing my house apart. Now, that was planned, fortunately. It was a demolition crew. We started uh, a remodeling project on our house that we had been thinking about and praying about and planning on for for 10 years and we finally were able to do this and so they, they started in on the house and it, it was amazing how quickly they were able to accomplish what they had to do. The floors were all pulled up walls came down the ceilings were brought down the roof was open from one end of the house all the way to the other you could look up and see blue sky support walls came down one of the outside walls was completely removed you could just look right out into right out into the, the yard. The kitchen was torn apart. The kitchen sink was literally thrown into the front yard. And by the end of the day, all of the the main living area of my house, the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, all of it, everything, had been stripped down to studs and concrete, and it was all sitting in dumpsters in the front yard. And I thought, man, isn't it amazing how quickly you can tear something apart? A home, an idea, even a life. How fast that can happen. September the 9th was a glorious, marvelous, hilarious day of destruction in my family's history. And as I said, it was something that we had been so looking forward to and working on for so long, and it finally happened. It was a terrific day. That was September the 9th, 2002. Exactly seven days later, on September the 16th, I lost my job. Fifteen years of service and work, gone, all at once. Like I said, it's amazing how quickly you can tear something apart. The company that I was involved with, I was not a pastor at the time. I was a, I was in the record business, the music industry. I was a, a record producer, putting on concerts all over the world and producing albums. And, but the industry, the music industry that year, 2002, had taken just a tremendous hit financially. In the first six months of the year, it had taken a 30% drop in revenues because of downloading and uh, illegal downloads and piracy. And it was a bloodbath in Los Angeles and Nashville and New York. And it finally hit our company. And uh, so I had a meeting on the 16th of September. Even though I had all of these assurances that everything was great, but we had a meeting on the 16th as our owner was looking over things and he made a decision that day that he needed to make some changes in the company. So we, we let three vice presidents go and we shut down two divisions of the company. I was one of those VPs. And I was told that that would be the end of things. I didn't have to walk out that day because of the amount of time that I'd spent there. They said, "Look, you know, we'll give you give you till the end of the year, but on December the 31st things are going to change and you're going to have to find something else to do with your life." And you know, it was amazing how peaceful I felt about all of that when that happened. I had this I had this conviction, this sense that God was present in what was going on, and it's because I had learned a long time ago that God is not afraid of the outcome of anything that I face, and he's not surprised by anything that we go through, and the Bible tells us that when you commit your way to the Lord, he will direct your path, and I have been directing or committing my way to the Lord every day for years. So I chose to believe. I made a decision that day, a decision of faith to believe that God was in the middle of this because I had committed my life to him. I chose to believe that he was going to <clears throat> direct my path. Oswald Chambers, in his book, My Utmost His Highest, a great devotional book, uh, a daily devotion, and on June 8th, he says this. He says, if you yourself do not cut the rope that keeps you tied to the dock, Well, God might send a storm and set you out to sea. And he finishes that day by saying, so be careful never to go back to what you once were when God wants you to become something that you have never been. And I I had this knowledge deep in my heart that God was about to reinvent me, that there was something he wanted me to do that he knew I could not accomplish where I was, and I would not have left on my own. Why should I? Everything was great. I was fat, dumb, and happy, and things were wonderful, and my house is a mess because we're doing what we're doing. Why in the world would I leave? So God sent a storm. He severed the rope, and he sent me out to sea that day. He sent a storm. I want you to look at a verse about storms from the book of Nahum. It says this, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. And there were clouds on my horizon that day. So that told me, as a man of faith, that that's where God was going. Where those clouds were, that was the dust of His feet. And the the quickest way around anything is to go through it. So I decided I was going to head into this thing. I wasn't going to fear. I was going to follow the Lord. And those wonderful words from Scripture, Be still and know that I am God, those words rang so loud and clear in my head that day. But, of course, that was that day other days were coming, when other words were going to be ringing real loud and real clear in my head. I got home that evening. I found Linda sitting up in the bedroom. It was about the only place she could sit in our house at the time. She was sitting, in the, sitting on the bed reading a magazine, and I, I walked in the door. I said, well, babe, things are about to get really interesting around here. She put her magazine down. And she said, what's going on? And I told her what had happened. She said, are you worried? I said, No, I'm not worried. She said, well, then I'm not going to worry either. She picked up her magazine and started reading again. Of course, the magazine was upside down. But she picked up the magazine. But I made a decision. I made a choice. I made a choice that I was not going to worry, but I was going to worship. Just like that song said. That I was not going to panic, but I was going to praise. And rather than coming to God and asking for things, I just began to worship God for who He was. Instead of asking God to meet my needs, I began to worship God for being my provider. Instead of asking God to give me guidance, I began to worship Him for being my counselor. Instead of asking Him to deal with my fear and help me not to be afraid, I just began to worship God for being a comforter to me. And so I made this decision. See, the reason is, if you wait until you're out of the trouble, if you wait until you come to the other side of the desert, the other side of the crisis, if you wait until then to worship, well, that's praise. But if you worship God in the middle of the trouble, that's faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I decided I'm going to take God at His word. When He says that He cares more about me than I do, when He says that He won't let go of me, I thought I'm going to take Him at His word. And I began to just worship God the Lord. Now, as I said, I was was doing pretty good for the first few weeks of just not worrying and and trusting, but about four or five weeks into this thing, I started wrestling with an old enemy. His name is Worry. Raise your hand if you've never worried. Anybody here? Raise your hand if you've never worried. No, no, no. Don't be lying now. You're in church. Okay. So so I don't need to feel bad about what I was going through. Well, I, I started to wrestle with worry. <clears throat> and I, I thought, you know, when you get into a battle, it's really good if you study your enemy and begin to learn what his tactics are all about. So I started doing a little study on what worry was about. And I, I just want to share with you some of the things that I learned about worry. First thing I did was I looked it up in the dictionary. And I had the definition of worry. I haven't changed the order of anything. I'm reading it to you the way it came out of the dictionary. Listen to this. Worry. To strangle. To twist or choke. Second definition. To harass or treat roughly with, or as with continual biting or tearing with teeth, like a dog worrying a bone. To pluck at, push on, touch, etc. repeatedly in a nervous or determined way. Like worrying a loose tooth with your tongue. To annoy, bother, harass, vex, to cause to feel troubled or uneasy, to make anxious or to distress. Does you know that sound familiar? I want to ask you questions. Are you worried about something today? Is there something going on in your life that's got you up pacing the floor in the middle of the night? Have you bitten off more than you can chew when you're choking to death on something? Has something got a grip on you and it just will not let go? That's what worry is about. That might be why you came to church today. There might be something going on in your life and you're thinking, I, maybe I can go and see if God has anything to say about because I don't know what to do. And if that's what brought you here today, I'm glad you're here because I believe God has something to say to you. I want you to look at what Jesus said about worry. We're going to look at a very famous passage from Matthew chapter 6. Look at these words on the screen. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. And I love that he says it because I'm a bird guy. I love birds. And for all of my life, now this is going to sound weird, but hey, I'm I'm the guest speaker, so I can be weird. Okay? But for all my life, God has used birds to send me messages, to remind me of his faithfulness. i me give you an example of what that means. Sitting at my kitchen table early one morning, paying the bills, and it had been one of those months. You know those months? Those months when there's more month than there is money. Some crisis had come up. I'm looking at reality and I'm going, God, what am I going to do? How are we going to make this happen? And, and just then, a, a robin hopped past the French doors the kitchen, and I looked in and I saw him, and I remembered, look at the birds of the air, your Heavenly Father feeds them, aren't you more valuable than they are? There was another time, working in a project, our, our company was about to partner with another organization and launch a whole new kind of business, and we had been working for months and investing all kinds of time and resource and energy into this thing, and we were about a week away from pulling the switch and making this thing happen, and I got a phone call that the other guys had gone out of business overnight. Disappeared, Took the money, gone. And I hung up the phone, and I spun around in my chair, and I looked out the window. There's a field outside of the window, and I just started to pray. And I said, Father, what are we going to do? How are we going to recover from all of this? And just then, a hawk started to circle that field, and I remembered. Look at the birds of the air. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. And you are much, much more valuable than they are. Now, of course, birds have to work hard for their food, but I've never seen a worried bird. So as I thought more about worry, what I realized is that the issue is really not worry. If you're worried about something, worry is not the issue. Worry is the decoy. Worry is the straw man. The real issue is trust. The question is, are you going to trust God? And it was almost like God was asking me that question. Are you going to trust me with this, buddy? And I'm going, well, of course I trust you, Lord. And he's saying, really? Are you sure? You ever found that when God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for information? He wants to know if you know what he knows. So when the Lord's saying, okay, well, do you trust me? I'm thinking, well, I guess I better figure out what I'm talking about. So I started to do a little study on what it means to trust the Lord. I went to the Word and I began to discover some very interesting meanings of trust. Here's the first one I found. The word trust means to allow someone to do something without fearing the outcome. To allow someone to do something without fearing the outcome. So if I say, Lord, I'm going to let you do what you're going to do, but am I going to be afraid of the outcome? Trusting the Lord is not to fear what the outcome is. He's not afraid of it. Why should I be afraid of it? Another meaning for Trust, comes from the scriptures, is to run into a shelter, to hide. That's why you see so often when David in the Psalms is writing, he says, the Lord is my refuge, he's my hiding place. He's talking about trust, means to hide inside him. Another meaning for trust means to the resting of the mind, the resting of your mind on the faithfulness, the reliability, and the friendship of another person. So you think, well, what does it mean to rest your mind? Well, you can think of rest in a lot of different ways. You can think of rest as as sleep, like a few of you are doing here. Remember, I can see you, okay? But you can also think of rest like like this. I'm resting all of my weight on this chair. My whole person is resting on this chair. And I'm trusting that it's not going to break and let me fall. It says, the resting of the mind, you put your mind at rest, it means to lean all of the weight of your life on who God is. That's what it is to trust Him. You say, Lord, everything I have, everything I am, I'm leaning all of the weight of my soul and my life on You, and I'm trusting and believing that You're not going to let go. So that's what it means to trust. That's why the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So he's talking about how are you going to trust God. So God's saying, look, are you going to trust me? And at that point, you have a decision to make. Are you going to worry or are you going to worship? Are you going to panic or are you going to praise? Are you really going to lean all of your life on God, take him in his word, hold on to him with everything you have and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. So like I said, I was doing pretty good. That trusting God for the first few months of this, this journey. Until December the 16th came. And on December the 16th, I woke up like a worried bird. I was a mess that day. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't complete a sentence. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't, I couldn't communicate anything to anybody. I couldn't even put thoughts into words on the morning of December the 16th. I was an absolute wreck that morning. And the reason was that not only had I never been down this road before, I was about to go and have a conversation that I had never had before. I was going to have a conversation about a severance package because the end of the year was coming up and I was going to walk out the door. And I didn't know what was right, what was wrong, what was fair, what to ask for. I had no idea what to do. I felt so alone, so lost in all of this. It was early in the morning. I was getting ready to leave. All of this is going on. I'm just spinning on the inside. And I just, said, I just said, God, you've got to help me with this because there's no way I can make it through the day in this kind of a mindset. And immediately, I mean, just like that, instantly, the Lord brought back to my mind a verse of Scripture that I memorized when I was 15 years old. I had no idea what it meant when I was 15. But 30 years later, at 45, I knew what this verse meant. It's from Isaiah 26.3. The Bible says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind, that means the imagination. It doesn't mean your reasoning and your logic. That that Hebrew word is the imagination. When you're thinking of all the things that could go wrong and all the things that might happen, when you stay, when you fix, when you rest and lean your mind, it says... You will keep him in perfect peace. Well, I didn't have perfect peace that day. So I knew that I was not trusting the Lord. And I knew I had to deal with that issue immediately. So I closed the bedroom door. And I got down on my knees at the foot of my bed. And I just started to talk to the Lord. And I just, I said, Father, thank you for reminding me of that truth. And I confess to you, I'm not trusting you today because I don't have perfect peace, and I'm sorry. But Lord, you know what I'm facing, and I know that you care more than I do. So Lord, I'm going to lean all of my life onto you right now. I'm taking you at your word that you're my provider and sustainer, that you're my comforter, that you have a plan for my life. Lord, I'm holding on to that with everything I have. I'm leaning all of the weight of my life on you, Lord. I'm going to run into you. I'm going to hide in you today as a shelter. And I'm going to hold on to you, and I will not let go of you. When I talked to the Lord that way for another two or three minutes, I just told him all the details of everything that was going on. It's not like he didn't know, but I just had to tell him exactly how I felt and everything that I was facing and all the things that I was afraid of that day. I just told him everything. Well, I still had to finish getting ready to leave. So I got up off my knees and I sat down on the edge of the bed. I was still in an attitude of prayer. I didn't feel any better, you know, but at least I'd gotten it off my chest. So I was still talking to the Lord. And I was pulling my right shoe under my right foot and I said out loud, Father, I need a bird today. And I did what you did. I thought, well, that was silly. That's all you got, buddy? I need a bird today. <clears throat> so I walked downstairs and I grabbed my briefcase and my computer bag is about to walk out the door to go have this meeting. And the telephone rang, the house phone. And it was Nancy, the lady across the street. She said, hey, buddy, you got a minute? I got to show you something. And I thought, well... Sure. You know, I always got a minute for my neighbor, and by the way, what are they going to do if I'm late for my meeting? Fire me? You know, (laughs) I'll show them. So I go over to Nancy's house, and Nancy, she brings me into the living room, which is in the back of the house. She sat me in a chair. She said, sit right here. Sat me in a chair, and the chair right next to the window. She goes, you're not going to believe this. Watch this. And she left the room. She walked outside onto the deck on the other side of the window. She looks through the window at me and she goes, Watch. And she, she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out a peanut and she put this peanut in her hand. And she starts making this whistly, chirpy little sound. And this is going on for about two minutes. I have no idea what she's doing. All I know is my neighbor lady is standing in the back there with a peanut in her hand making noises and I'm late for a meeting. So he going watch, watch, watch. I'm sitting in my chair. And after about two minutes, a blue jay flew out of the trees and he landed on her hand. And he picked up the peanut and he flew away. And I'm just gawking at this. She goes, watch. She puts another peanut in her hand. She starts making her noise. Now I'm watching, right? And this is going on. She's making her noise. A couple minutes go by. Here comes this bird. He landed on her hand and he picked up the peanut and he flew away. She goes, watch. See, I'm kind of slow, okay? Watch. She puts a peanut on her hand, starts making her noise. I'm watching, and that's when the Lord whispered deep into my heart. He said, you see, buddy, sometimes I feed you right out of my hand. What are you so afraid of? And after a couple of minutes, there came the bird again. He landed on Nancy's hand and picked up the peanut and flew away. She waved at me to come outside, right? So I got up. I walked out there. There's nothing I could say to her. I would have just been a blubbering mess if I had tried to tell her what any of this meant. She had no idea. She says, you know, I've been working on that bird for a year and a half. And it was only this week that I got him to come to my hand." She said, you got to try this. I said, Nancy, you just told me it took a year and a half for him to come to you. He is not going to come to me. She said, look, let's just give it a shot. Let's see how brave he is. And I thought, well, you know, in a moment like that, you don't say no especially not to Nancy. Okay, so I put the peanut on my hand. Nancy stood behind me. She's a lot smaller than I am. She stood behind me. She starts making a noise. And I'm standing there with this peanut waiting. And a couple of minutes went by. She keeps going, Come on, I know he's around here. Just wait, just wait. Come on. She keeps making a noise. Three minutes went by. Four minutes went by. And sure enough, there was no bird. I'm going, Nancy, this is not happening. She said, look, Give it a try, just one more minute. And sure enough, about a minute later, the bird flew from the bushes off the side of the yard where he'd been watching us over here. And he flew to the far side of the yard, about as far as the back of that room. And he landed on a branch that was just sticking out of the tree all by itself. And he's floating there, it looks like he's floating in midair. And this bird is looking at me, and it's like I could read his mind, you know? He's going, Who's the bald guy with the peanuts? What do you do with Nancy? You know? And he's watching me as I'm holding this peanut. Nancy's calling him. And I'm going, look at this guy. He is trying to make a decision. Because he recognizes your, he recognizes the voice. But he's just going, do I trust this hand? And that's when I got it. I told you I was slow. I was looking at a living parable. Because that little bird was me. He had just flown out of his nicely feathered nest. He's out on a limb, wondering where his next meal is coming from. And he's going, I recognize that voice, but I've never seen that hand before. And as I watched this bird, hoping he would come, but afraid that he never would, another couple minutes went by, and sure enough, here came this blue jay, full speed, right at my face. Now that is a weird experience, to have a blue jay Full speed at your face. Here he came across the yard, and at the last second he stalled out and he landed on my thumb, and he looked me in the eye, and then he spoke to me, "I'm kidding." He I had you." The bird did not say anything, okay, so don't write any emails to anybody. He did not speak, <clears throat> but he did land on my thumb, and he did look me in the eye. And he picked up that peanut and he flew away. I still couldn't tell Nancy what it meant. We laughed for a minute. I had to leave. I went home and I told Linda what had happened my wife. And Linda reminded me of something that I had been teaching in a Sunday school class for years. About how God provides. That he provides ahead of time. He sees ahead to our needs. You see this all throughout the Bible, especially in Genesis, starting with Adam. Remember, Adam's created on the sixth day, which means God took the first five days to see to all of Adam's needs, so that when Adam showed up on the scene, he had everything he would possibly need. God did it for Noah by providing extra animals to sacrifice. He did it for Hagar. He did it for Abraham. Remember the story when Abraham is going to bring Isaac to sacrifice him, and God provides a, a, a ram, a lamb, in the in the thicket. And Abraham worships God, and he says, the Lord will provide. He did not say, the Lord provided. He said, the Lord will provide. There's a a prophetic nature to his worship. What he literally says in Hebrew is, the Lord will see to the need. God sees ahead of us. And that's what I learned that day. Because a year and a half earlier, Nancy started working on that crazy bird. I didn't know anything about it. But a year and a half earlier, God knew that on December the 16th, I was going to be sitting on the edge of my bed, out of work, panicked, fearful, pulling my right shoe under my right foot and saying out loud, Father, I need a bird today. A year and a half earlier, God started answering my prayer before I ever said a word. His timing is absolutely magnificent. I want to come back to the question I asked you a while ago. What are you worried about today? What has you pacing the floor in the middle of the night? Are you wondering where your next meal is going to come from? Have you bitten off more than you can chew? And you're choking on something? I am here to tell you. I'm here to say to hear the word of the Lord. The Lord will provide. He is faithful to himself. And because he's faithful to himself, he is faithful to you. Whatever it is you are facing, God will not Abandon you in your crisis. God is not on the other side of your trouble waiting for you to figure it out and find your way through. He meets you in the middle of it all and fills your crisis with His presence. And He has already started the process of answering your prayer. Don't be afraid, don't worry. Following, trusting. Lean the weight of your life on your saving God and hold on to him with everything you have, because he will not let go of you and he will be faithful and he will provide for you. He will take care of you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. I as I said, I wasn't a pastor, I wasn't some big holy man, I was just a guy just a businessman who loved Jesus and was in trouble. If he can do it for me, he'll do it for anybody. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. But look again at that verse from Isaiah. You Lord will keep in perfect peace in whose mind is stayed, fixed, leaning on you because he trusts in you. Trust me pray for you. Would you bow your heads? And I want to lead you in prayer. Because there may be some things that you just need to turn over to God today. Maybe you need this perfect peace. And here's what I want you to do. I want you just, with your eyes closed, just open your hands in front of you. You don't have to lift them up high. Just open them up. Just rest them on your lap, but just with your palms up. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of presentation. And as I pray, you just pray in your mind. You say, me too, Lord. This is my prayer too. And let this be your prayer. With your palms turned up, just say, Lord, I'm coming to you today in Jesus' name. And I'm bringing my life to you. I'm bringing you my strengths and my weaknesses. I'm bringing you my hopes and my fears. I'm bringing you my successes and my failures. I'm bringing you my dreams and my nightmares. I'm bringing all of my life to you today, Lord. It's right here. I'm presenting it to you in my hands. And i give myself to you. And Lord, I'm also carrying in my hands a weight of fear, this worry, this nagging worry that won't, won't go away. Lord, I'm bringing it to you today. Now, whatever it is, That's on your mind, whatever it is that you're worried about, I want you to tell the Lord right now. Tell Him what it is. Go ahead. Now turn your palms down and just pray this way. Say, Lord, I'm just letting go of this now. I'm placing these things, all of these things, in your lap of grace. I put it all in your hands. And I pray, Lord, let your will be done. And I give it to you. Now just let go. Just let go of it. And turn your palms up again. And say, Lord, now that my hands are empty, I receive from you everything that your grace will afford today. I receive strength. For my weaknesses, I receive hope. For my fear, I receive peace in my heart, Lord. I receive forgiveness of my sins. Lord, I receive the grace to forgive those who sinned against me. Lord, my hands are yours now. I've given you my stuff, and so I'm asking, Lord, what do you want to give me today? What can I do for you? How can my hands be used for your kingdom purposes? My life is yours. Lord, I receive your grace today. And I do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm happy to tell you, we finished our house on time and on budget, which if you've ever done anything like that in your house, you know right there is a miracle. And a few weeks later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine, a guy I'd known for a long time, not well, but I'd known him, he's a pastor, Southern California. He said, hey, I want you to come once lunch, see how you're doing. His name was Rick Warren. And I went and had lunch with Rick, and I never left, which would be a lesson for all of you. Never invite me over for lunch because you will never get rid of me. <laughs> when Chambers said, Be careful never to look back at what you once were when God wants you to become something you've never been, I had no idea what the future held. But today, I'm a pastor. I'm a teaching pastor at Saddleback. And it's only because of God's grace and his faithfulness. Bringing me through that crisis. So I just want to say to you that the next time you're worried about something, look at the birds of the air and remember God's faithfulness. God bless you.